0: Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Hello and welcome to the School of Laughs podcast. Rick Roberts here. Episode 176 with Bone Hampton. Uh, Bone is a friend of mine. I've known Bone for about 10 years. And everything I know about Bone has been in that 10 years. I've never had a chance really to sit down for an extended period of time. Uh, we've had lunch once or twice and been to a lot of the same events and same tapings. But to sit there and actually find out what his backstory was, how he got to where he is today. Uh, Bone's most recent uh, thing that was going on was he was on America's Got Talent. We talk about that. Uh, we talk about how this show is you know, set up to revolve around backstories. And how sometimes the the way the show is put together is uh, not always conducive for comedy, and uh, you know he he knows from history going into TV stuff that it is TV and they're going to shape it the way they need to shape it to make the product they're putting together, and uh, sometimes that benefits the comic. He says he's gotten good uh, things from being on the America's Got Talent, even though they didn't uh, I think give him a, a good shot on the show to do what he does best. Anyhow, we talk about that. We talk about his early days. I didn't know that he uh, met some pretty big-name comedians early on, and they uh, saw something in him, gave him a little bit of encouragement. And sometimes it's all you need is the right words from the right people at the right time. And he took that and got going in comedy. So we talk about all that. We talk about some of his guest spots on uh, My Name is Earl, Uh, The View, some other shows, BETs, Comedy, Deaf Comedy Jam, All About Steve, a few different things like that that I knew a little bit about but didn't know how it all went down. So we're going to jump into that here in just a second. Did want to take a few seconds to thank our sponsors for this episode, the Hot Breath Podcast with Joel Byers. If you like my podcast, I think you'll love Joel's podcast. Check it out. you hear more about that in the middle of this episode. And to Amy Lynch, our Patreon supporter for this episode. If you haven't thought about supporting the podcast, you can go to schooloflastcom forward slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. A donation of $7 a month or more gets you involved with Club 52, which puts an email in your inbox every week for an entire year. That's the 52. And it gives you a specific challenge for your comedy business, performance, or writing to get you a little further faster. Uh, Amy does that through Patreon. And if you are a Patreon supporter at that Club 52 level, uh, go to the Patreon page right now and check out our Google Hangout. Actually, it's a Zoom Hangout now that we did uh, for September uh, that's a one hour kind of like a conference call for comedy that we do on the Club 52 level. If any of that sounds interesting to you, check that out at the website, com forward slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thanks, Amy. Thanks, Joel. Here's Bone Hampton. <laughs> How's it going, bone?
1: Man, it's going real good, real good, real good.
0: I was happy you could join me today. Um, I didn't realize you lived this close to me. For some reason, I always thought you lived in the metropolitan area of downtown Nashville somewhere cool. You know,
1: you know that's the persona I try to keep up. To you know, <laughs> yeah. when you leave LA, people's like, "What happened? Did he fall off? Did his life just end?" It's like, "No, nah, baby, I'm I'm next door to Taylor Swift and Keith Urban. Are you? No, I'm not. But that's that's the way I need y'all to think I am.
0: We're straddling the Hermitage Mountain right, right over line.
1: here in Hermitage.
0: <laughs> yeah, which is a nice. I tell you, when I the last time I moved, I've been over here for 15 years now. Wow. I was wow. looking for some place that was close to the airport, right? Good schools, yep. And though I love the idea of Franklin and Brentwood and all that stuff down that way, I could not wrap my head around trying to get up and get the first flight out and work through uh, that four, I-440 yeah. traffic.
1: Yes. From here, yes. you got three
0: different routes to the airport in case there's an accident.
1: Yes. And it's yes. just
0: 25 minutes max.
1: And I'm happy because I can get there with Uber for 11.99, so I ain't got to worry about the long parking stay. You know, you are married, you got kids, you probably can get somebody to drop you off. That's when they stop answering your phone. That's bone. I bet he want to ride to the airport. I'm not. I'm not answering. I'm not answering. Yeah, I know. I used to.
0: This is funny. When I first moved over here, so we moved over here, and then my mother-in-law moved down the street. I mean, maybe five, ten miles. Okay. And so when we had our second child, she's like, "I'll, I'll get Rick from the airport anytime." So and she's an early riser. So okay, it was a trade-off. I could get free ride to the airport, but I was riding with a crazy mother-in-law. <laughs> Who's a ho- horrific driver, and, uh, sometimes the topics I just didn't want to touch on.
1: You know? See, when you started, I was trying to figure out, okay, you say your mother-in-law. I'm <laughs> trying to figure out where is this going to go? Yeah, that's what I was trying to figure out. Your mother-in-law stay five minutes away? You's a good man, Rick. Well, You's a good man. You know, it's, it's helpful at times. Right, right. <laughs> right, right. Right, right. You know.
0: Well, that's cool, man. So I've I'm, I'm known you. Gosh, I was trying to think how long. I, at least since like two thousand five, probably. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I think Most of My first definitely. CCA
0: was like two thousand eight, so okay. like the latest ten years ago.
1: Latest ten years, yeah, yeah.
0: But I, you had already been doing comedy. I'd already seen you like on Bananas and some stuff. But I, I didn't realize even the last time I saw you that you were from Texas originally. Is originally right?
1: from Fort Worth, Texas, right, right up the street from Billy Bob's. All
0: right, yeah. Well, let's, let's jump back in time to. Let's go. to Were you still there in high school?
1: Yeah. Went to high school in Texas. Yeah. All
0: right. In high school, did you have any inclination that comedy was your thing? Did you do any kind of acting stuff Were you? Any kind of plays? So
1: I was the cheerleader on the uh, football team. I was the team captain, but I was also the rah-rah dude. And so I never wanted to do the regular rah-rah. So I always tried to do something to try to... (laughs) Put some swag in it, but it always was kinda comedy. It was like, All right, Bone, go get the team ready. We all get together And it was like, you know, I little chant was like, Break that rah, break that rah, break that, break that, break that rah And I could I was like, Oh, we gotta switch it up. So I was like, break that ah break that. I, and the coaches was like, where did you come up with that? I'm like, I don't know. It just felt right. It's like, it's cool. Like y'all having fun. Now, granted, the 20 high school football games I played, we only won one. So I don't know how great it was to get the team, but it was like, this is cool. So I always had that thing of To do a little bit more, to make it more fun. I wasn't necessarily thinking comedy as much as, hey, I just like to have a good time. Did you like the attention of it? Like, did it get you noticed a little bit in school? Got me noticed in school. They was like, whatever Bone's going to do, he going to make it funny. And I didn't, I still, I didn't equate making it funny, man. Hey, maybe you should do stand-up. It was like making it funny is going to be fun. That was always my thought. Let's have fun with it. So, when I got out of high school, and then I played football at the University of North Texas, and then that's when the idea of comedy began to sip in. I'm like, wait a minute. There's this thing called stand-up comedy, as I'm trying to figure out what career to do. Did you have like stand up come to the campus and do shows? Or did, Yeah, did you go- so they uh, they filmed a movie called Necessary Roughness, yeah. and Sinbad was in it, and they was getting all the all the football players to be in it, so I got in the movie. And so this is when I met Sinbad, and we were doing, um, in between takes, we was doing these uh, old church lady characters, and we was all having fun. (laughs) He was sister bad. We had another dude. He was a defensive tackle. He was like six four, three hundred 300 pounds, and he was called sister mentor. And I was sister bone. And (laughs) we all just – Whatever the craziest church lady you know in your church, that's who you just took on. So it wasn't even trying to create nobody. It was like, oh, I know how I'm going to be. And it was so funny. They kept making fun of me. That I had a kid that was five, but he was six foot nine. It's like, you five-year-old quit looking so grown, sister ball. Bon, you probably wouldn't be having to get him out of jail. I'm like, you can't put a five-year-old in jail. <laughs> yes, you can when he's shaving. Cause that's what, and it was just like, yeah. Sinbad thought it was hilarious. And he was like, hey, man, I got a deal with ABC. We're doing five episodes. I need you to come on episode four and do that character. We're really? doing this. And I was like, okay. Then he called me back after the second episode. He's like, "Yeah, man, they canceled it, so don't uh, worry about it." But you know what, Bone? You funny man. You might should think about it. And then Jamie Fox came on campus a couple of years later, and he had a contest at his comedy show at Dallas Fairgrounds. And uh, you imitate his Ugly Girl character, Wanda. You win five hundred bucks, and I won that. Nice. And it was like, and it was funny because. It was three other people. All they did was imitate the character he did on TV, and I made it my own. Like, I made, you know, I implemented wearing glasses, and I was like, I, you know, part of Wanda's character was she always said words wrong. Right, right, And so I was like, I know y'all not used to seeing me in these bifocals, and I could see Jamie at the corner of my eye. He was like, wait, you did that? like. That ain't an episode I ever did. Right, right. And I was like, I know, because I can't see, because I tried to, I was trying to eat some collard greens, but it was actually poison ivy. So I broke out in this rash. And he was like, no, you writing the sketch for the character. And so he talked to me after that, and he's like, you might need to think about doing some stuff, because ain't nobody else wrote a sketch for the character. And then I graduated from college. And Steve Harvey had his comedy club in Dallas, and I was doing open mic, and every comic came through. I was like, hey, man, I want to take your time. Just give me one nugget. What would you say? And they all said, you need to move to L.A. And so one took some time to really sit down and talk, and they said, boom, to be a black male comic and clean, and you can do this here? It's like, if you can do that in L.A., you can write your ticket to do whatever you want because mm-hmm. that's just not what's happening there. Because this was right when Def Jam was in its heyday, right, too. Right, right. So, Interesting. So you're right out
0: of college. What was your plan if comedy wasn't the plan? What were-
1: oh, I was a substitute teacher, and I was like, I was cool in the classroom. I love kids. I love. And for a stint there in L.A., the principal finally recruited me. He was like, I want you take the regular uh, the other tests and become a regular teacher. And he was really like the kids like you, you're a man we don't have a lot of men mm-hmm. here and you just got a good resonation with the kids and I was just like, no nah, man, I'm a stand up. He's like, do you got insurance <laughs> yeah. I like, no, nah, ain't no health insurance in comedy Well we got health insurance <laughs> so we got health insurance and you can get a regular check Now think about that again. I was like, oh well. And so I took uh, kind of a year off when I was in the classroom. And, you know, I don't know, um, most comics know this. When you take a year off, it's never a purpose. Like, I'm finna take off for a year. It's like you get caught up in whatever your day job is. And mm-hmm. you look up and it's like, huh, I ain't really did comedy in a year. Right, right. So comics didn't know. They just knew that they would call me and say, hey, man, I got a room. Can you come down and do it? I'm like, ah. Now I'm going to have to come back. Uh, another month, man. I'm like, I got lesson plans tonight. And uh, one of my good friends was like, hey, man, what you doing? I was like, what? He's like, you done turned down three gigs because of lesson plans. So if you're just going to be a teacher, man, move back to Texas. Right. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. He was like, why would you spend $18 for a loaf of bread in L.A.? Right. If you're going to be a teacher. <laughs> right, I was like, right. you know what? Right. So... So you, is that when you moved back? To, did you, no, no, or, no. I I, I really you made had the decision to, to go comedy. Yeah, I was like, okay, I'm not gonna take the job next year, and you know, was that hard? It was hard because the kids was like, what do you mean you're not here next year? Yeah. I'm like, I sub every now and then, and they knew I was a comic, so they was like, I was like, look, I got to get back to this, and they was like, okay, I mean, we like you, you funny, but. We really liked having you in class. You one of the teachers, and so it was some. Si- I had a seventh grade class, so it was some sixth graders coming up that was like, "We getting you, Mister After." We get on like, "Yeah, no, nah, y'all not getting me. Y'all finna get Miss Billingsley." And uh, <laughs> you just go. A bunch after. of kids dropped out. Uh,
0: <laughs> you were like a. You were bringing people were transferring schools to come to be in Bones class. Boy,
1: lean on me all over again. <laughs> we want to be in
0: Mister Hampton class. No, nah, you don't. No, that's you don't. funny. Like I'm just thinking about. Just thinking about. Like, Three different sitcoms popped in my head where it was like, Welcome Back, Cotter was a teacher and yep. had students. There was, uh, gosh, there was the other one.
1: Mark Carey had one, Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Hanging with Mr. Cooper. And then
0: there was uh, it was a white comic that was kind of like a surfer dude. He had one for a while. I want to say it was Dwight something. That's probably not right. I'll remember it later. But it's a great vehicle. Yes. And uh, and we know a couple of, well, I know, you know, Claiborne Cox. He's yep. a teacher and he slides in jokes in yep. his thing. And then he yep, yep, takes yep. those jokes and puts them in a comedy show.
1: So you've got an audience that can't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And when I was subbing, I was trying not to do this, but I couldn't help it. It was so great because I had like two minutes at the beginning of the class of so like we're going to have a rough 45 minutes or we finna going to have fun. If I can win y'all over in my opening speech. And I'm like, that's comedy. Right. If they don't know you, it's like, man, you got about 90 seconds to see if we going to listen. Gotcha. And yeah. so it was like, all right, you got to be creative with the way... You talk to them because you still got to have command of the class, but they need to have some type of liking of you.
0: Yeah, you know yeah. I mean, if they
1: don't like nothing about you, you just finna have a long day.
0: Right. You need the respect, but you need the likability, which, you know, a lot of teachers don't think about the likability at all. They're going straight in and deliver the message and get out.
1: Boom. And it's like, you know they're not going to care about you when it's over, which means they're not going to care about what you tried to teach them when it's over. If they care about you, they'll care about what you tried to teach them. And so, you know, when I just did uh, America's Got Title, I had so many of my ex-students, they're like, oh, Mr. Hampton, is this you? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. like, yeah, this is me. I was like, ah. Do you remember me? I was in your grade. I remember you. I can't believe you found me, but
0: you found me. That's great. And wh- what year, roughly, was that when you were in teaching and then made that transition over into comedy?
1: Uh, Late 90s, early 2000s. All right. And I would have still substitute teach calls. it It's no conflict of schedule. Right. When you're in town, like, go teach. When you're not. Except I had, um, I started making a couple of television appearances. I was on a show on BT called Comic View, mm-hmm. and they started recognizing me. So I lost my edge because I come in the classroom. Hello, I'm Mr. Hampton. I'm your substitute teacher, but I am your teacher today. You're going to do what I say to do, and you ain't having no day off. And if you think this going to be a joke, you got another thing coming because we're not having that in here today. Ooh. <laughs> And then
0: some kid in the back would hit the music.
1: (laughs) I wish that was a joke, Rick. I wish that was a joke. (sighs) Oh, man. Yeah, it was one of the kids. They was like, and I heard him. He was like, hey, man, he was on TV last night. Yeah, a comic. And I was like, oh, snap. And he was like, what? He was like, yeah, he was on Comic View. And a kid raised his hand like, yeah, man, what? He's like, uh, was you on Comedy Central last night? <sighs> no, I was not on Comedy Central <laughs> last night. No, man, Comic View. Raise his hand. I'm like, yes, Comic View. <sighs> yeah, man, I was on Comedy. I told you, he, he ain't for real. He ain't mean. He's scared. He told me he teach class from the door. I'm like, you listen to the whole set. Oh man, that's and too so, much. That's I too was much, like, man. all right. I lost all my control of the class. They were like, do you know Cat Williams? Uh yes, I do. I was like, all right, I can't come back here because y'all ain't y'all yeah. don't
0: want I mean, to. It's tricky. But, you know, in a way, it's probably helped you kind of out that door and into the comedy Absolutely. door. And so how many more years in L.A.? And, and what were some of the things you were doing out there? So you've been in some TV shows quite a bit. All the way up to America's Got Talent, so we'll talk about it in a little bit. But uh,
1: what was the first like TV so that wasn't f- a
0: stand-up yeah. show? But you know,
1: the first TV there was there used to be a talk show. <laughs> there used to be a talk show on BT called Old Drama, and it was one of the first like four-panel women talk show. And so they was they was trying to be edgy, right? And so the subject matter was. They were talking to men, single men who were celibate. And one of the producers knew me and she was like, Mona, are you serious? Just, I'm like, "Uh, why? Why are you asking? She's like, we're doing an episode and I want you to do the episode. And I was like, okay. And it was funny. I was, um, I was out on tour with Carmen and he was like, hey, man, don't do the episode. I was like, what? He's like, just don't be celibate, but don't put it out there like that. Just, just trust me, you do I like, hey man, it's TV. I'm about to do TV. And what was cool about it, like they were hardcore on my wardrobe, on my haircut. And I was like, why are y'all so they're like, we need you to be extra as, as attractive as you can, because if you're not attractive, it's no big deal, you celibate.
0: Right. We need you. <laughs> we can clearly see why our bone is alone.
1: <laughs> we we did, Exactly. I was like, okay. And then
0: you're also going, wait a second. I thought I was
1: looking pretty good. I mean, I was like, they're like, no, we can do better than what you chose. So that sweater, <laughs> no. This shirt you're going to wear. And it was such a interesting show. It was another rapper on there with me, and it was another uh, DJ out of Dallas. And they were like, one of the big things, they was like, okay, you the rapper, so we need you to have that rapper flavor. You a DJ, so your voice is, Bone, we need you to be funny, but we don't want you to be silly. Like, we still, we need y'all to be choosing to be celibate versus, well, we ain't got no options anyway, so (laughs) therefore... Right. And I was like, man, I ain't never had this pressure to talk about being celibate. They're like, well, it's TV. Yeah. And so from that, then I got the show uh, Comic View. Mm-hmm. From, that was a BET stand-up comedy show. So and oh, so Comic View came second to that. Comic okay. View came
0: second. Yeah. Gotcha. And how many times did you do Comic View? A couple times.
1: Did Comic View twice. Cause they, I mean, when they were recording, they were recording a
0: lot, weren't they?
1: Man, it was like so many comics. It's like I know when you do a comedy show, they try to get three or four in the can that day, so you might meet twenty five, you know, comics. No, nah, it was like six hundred comics. I'm like, everybody can't shoot today. They're like, watch us. Yeah. I was like, wow. And they were they weren't the easiest
0: shows to do. I mean, I remember watching and like. They almost took pride in like booing somebody off the stage. It wasn't
1: quite like the Apollo, but it was Man. Well,
0: they recorded some at the Apollo, right?
1: Yes. So they started doing this thing where they would actually play cricket sounds <laughs> on your set. And what made it so bad was not every comic that got crickets had a bad set. Right. They was just like, Oh, we just think this cute right here to put a cricket. I'm like, I was there, they laughed. What do you do? No, no, no. This TV. Right. And and that was like one of my first lessons of you don't know what they're going to do. Be prepared for it when you sign up and say yes. Mm-hmm. And if you worried about what they're going to do, you just got to pass on it. It's okay to pass. Right. Right. So When
0: did uh, the guest spots on The View and stuff started happening? So. Or what, did, what was in between there if I missed a few things?
1: So I do the stand-ups. And so uh, Sherry Shepard uh, is my best friend. So uh, we doing this club. Sherry Shepard manager manages this other girl named sally sally dates carmen uh carmen tells sally he wants to see comedy sat <laughs> yeah sally tells carmen you gotta see my friend sherry shepherd sherry shepherd says no <laughs> you gotta see my friend bone hampton because she's like Sally, I'm a Christian, but if your boy, Sherry has no idea who Carmen is. Uh-huh. So she's telling me, she's like, yeah, Sally, there's some dude named Carmen he's supposed to be. I was like, what? And she was like, um, yeah, she act like he a big deal. I was like, you don't know who Carmen is? She's like, Bone, remember, I barely know who Kirk Franklin is. I'm like, yeah, you don't know who Right, Carmen right. Is. Well, let me tell you who. And so when she hears, she's like, oh, wait a minute. Sally, Carmen need to come see Bone. I'm not the kind of comic that he wants to see. So, Carmen comes down to the spot. It's um, called Steppin' Up. It's a Christian soul food restaurant. On Friday nights, they do Christian comedy. And Carmen comes down there and sees me, and we talk in the parking lot for about an hour. He's like, I've been trying to get a comic to go on tour with me. I haven't found one that satisfies all of my audience because although I'm in the CCM market, my audience is not or White. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely not Kirk Franklin Black. But right. I need somebody that can take care of everybody that's there in every other comic. I see I'm like, you'll take care of this portion, but you won't take care of this portion. And so, and I bring that up because that club, Sherry's doing a TV show called Less Than Perfect with Andy Diggs, Zach Levi, Andrew Parker, Eric Roberts, Judy Roberts, brother. So Zach is coming down. Zach brings the casting director from the show down. And she sees me, and she talks to me afterwards. She's like, can you do punchlines without saying Jesus is love at the end of all of them? I was like, yeah. <laughs> She's like, all right, come in Monday. I got a part for you that I think you can get. And when I got that part, she did another uh, – she had a, a, another pilot, and she brought me in. And these are all just one lines. And when I came in for that one, the director – just like put his head down when I got, when I got done and we didn't know. And I was like, all right, thank you. I was like, he either loved what I did or he thought this was the worst thing ever. And she called me the next day. She said, not only did you get the part, but they bringing you back to recur. He was just like, I've never heard. I've I've never heard this country, this country do the way I heard this country do. They only shot the pilot, but then she said, I got to get you an agent because Mm -hmm. I can only book you on stuff I'm booking, but you booking and they like you. Then from there, then I got Medium. I got My Name is Earl. Did the movie with Sandra Bullock and uh, Bradley Cooper all about Steve. Mm -hmm. It was coming along.
0: Yeah. So. How'd you like working with, was Billy Gardell on any of the episodes you were on with the
1: My Name is Earl? No. Because he did the security guy on that once in a while. So this is the funny thing about it, and somebody my, the casting director told me, so when I booked the security guard on my name is Earl, the guy that wrote that episode, when I get my script, it says, "Taylor the Jailer." And I was like, "Taylor the jailer. Is that me? <laughs> I mean, I guess that's meant the same line. And he tells me that night he said, "Did you notice I gave you a name?" And I was like, yeah, I saw this. like, yeah, Taylor the Jaylor. He's like, because I'm, I'm, I plan on bringing you back, man. Like, you really nailed this line. And I was like, all right, here we go again. And this show is already on air. And somebody told me, they like, man, I hate to tell this to you, but the show has gotten too big. They're going to get a name to do the stuff you were doing. And don't take it personal because they probably never call you. Mm. But they're going to go with names because this scene worked. And I was like, what? It's like, it's just what it is. Right. And when you become a name, you will benefit from it as well. Just live with it now. And sure enough, I would see episodes. I was like, oh, that's me. That's, that's my part. <laughs> that's, that's what? <laughs> that's the same jail. This ain't no new jail. And it was like, "It's it's all right. It's yeah. all right. And so, like, even when I did um, uh, The View, and now this was funny. When I did The View, they did co-hosts, best friends, males. So, Elizabeth Hasselbeck did her husband, Tim. Oh. Uh, Whoopi did this wardrobe, dude. Uh, Joy did Mario, uh, Canton, whatever, and mm-hmm. she was like, I'm bringing you, of course. So, <laughs> this is what we laugh about. I was the first... Heterosexual male not married to a co host to ever co host The View. Because in their mind, they like, well, we can't have a straight guy. If we have a guy, he needs to be gay so he can be in with the girls talk. And after I did it, they started having dudes co host. Same thing, she was like, they get names. They got mm-hmm. Bill Maher, they got uh, DL Hughley, what's his name? Uh, Jay Moore. So it's like, they just got names like they like you, but that's like, what they do. You like to trailblaze. I'm just setting everybody for, up for I'm, the bigger names. I'm the demo dude. I was like, <laughs> let's let's practice with bone and see. Okay, it works with bone. Let's get somebody else in here. And yeah. the, and the crazy thing about it, I went to go tape one day, not tape. I went, I was up there to see it when Jay Moore was there and the cast and the the executive direct, the executive producer, his boss, told him he's like. Is that Bone Hampton sitting in the audience? And he was like, I guess. You I mean Sherry here? He probably is here. Why didn't we ever use him again for the they started calling it Friday, uh dude co-host, mm-hmm. co-host Friday. And he we was in the back and he said, Hey man, why you didn't never call me again the co-host? I was like, What? He said, Why you didn't never call me to see if you co-host again? He's like, honestly, Bon, I forgot about you. Mm-hmm. But I didn't forget about you like you couldn't do it. I just forgot about you. cause we... And I was sitting there like, Sherry would shoot me in my forehead if I just called you and asked to be back on the show. He's like, man, you should have called me. I just forgot. Yeah. And so when I was telling Sherry, I was like, Bill Getty said I was supposed to call him. She was like, what? And luckily the hair and makeup girls was around when he did it. I said, Karen, we just, she say, Sherry, he looked at Bone like you dummy. Like, mm-hmm. you don't want to work on TV? And she was like, Bone, there's nothing in me that would have told you to call him. I was like, that's what I thought. And so it was like, that was another one where it's like, we like what you did. We like what you did so much, we're going to call stars. Right, right.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. And that's always, uh, no, there's no point in your career where you walk that line of, am I bugging somebody? Yes. I want to stay top of mind so for the next opportunity, but I also want to be the guy that they start talking about, like, at least you're not pestering Pete or whatever. Yes, yes, you know
1: what I mean? yes. That's a tricky yes. thing. That's yes. a tricky
0: thing. But, you know, and, and I guess, you know, an agent should do some of that stuff for you. Did you have an agent at the time? No. See, that's that's where that that's where they come in, you know? So from, and you guys hosted on The, the View a couple times. Yes. Yeah. Do you remember any of the... uh topics when you were guest hosting <laughs> Did they did they do something on purpose to make you feel uncomfortable or to see how you would deal it
1: or is it just random So they did one about why do guys not date funny girls Ah and I was like okay so here's the thing um uh <laughs> figure out how to Politically correct say this don't get me in trouble. I'm trying to get back on the show. Whoopi's not a big fan of guys talking about how cute girls are. She thinks it's very shallow, and she doesn't think she doesn't like that that's like a measuring stick. So the answer to why don't guys like to date funny girls, especially on a TV show trying to be funny, is because guys are worried about impressing guys with their girlfriend. And no guy is ever trying to impress that guy, saying, "Man, I can't wait till you meet my girl. She is hilarious." No dude is like, "Man, I can't wait to meet yo." Every dude is showing up with their girl, so they dude can be like, "Dude, you the man. You the man." And so I was like, ah, "I know she gonna get me." So I said that she's like, "Well, that's the problem. You need a funny girl, bone." And you know, do that I'm like, "I don't need no funny girl. I'm funny. That's what I bring." to Yeah, the you table. don't want too much funny in the house. Yeah, I'm like, no. Nothing will ever get done. No. And so it was a little bit. It got a little bit, um, not awkward, but tense. But the cool thing with Whoopi is, if I'm doing something and it's funny and it makes the show good, she like keep doing it because that's what this mm. show is about. But that was such a touchy subject. Like uh, they was talking about, ah, uh, um, uh, the bike, the bicyclist was married to Cheryl Crow. Lance Armstrong. Was talk- we did where he was talking about Lance Armstrong. And uh talking about uh <laughs> talking about his situation. Yeah. And we were saying and I was telling her something from a male perspective, and I said, you know, some stuff you just don't want to be out there because you know dudes gonna give you a hard time. And if they want the girl you trying to talk to, they'll make sure the girl know. Like, well, you know, he dealing with some stuff, you know, cause he ain't. And however the conversation got. And Whoopi said, well, Bone, she said, well, how would you know? I was like, I played college football. We always had to take showers together. So you would just learn stuff about somebody you didn't want to, but you would in the shower. And she was like, well, how many did you graduate with? And I was like, did you just ask me? (laughs) And it was just like, uh, two, Whoopi, just for the record. And I was like, I don't know if I wanted to say that on TV. Right. And and she was looking at me like bravo you handled it. I'm like yeah but I don't know if I just lost three churches right right just then I didn't say anything wrong or inappropriate but I just but they were always real cool and respectful about my faith yeah. and they was very respectful about you know bon we know what you do and we know that you will step out of a conversation if it's out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. and I was like all right cool you know i still got a fan base that i not i got to take care of right so it was it was cool and a lot of the subjects was like give us a guy perspective Mm -hmm. and which was always fun yeah a little
0: more yeah now when um let's go back just a little bit when you were opening for carmen so i remember carmen from back in the day yes it was touring pretty hard how many dates were you doing and what was that show set was it 20 minutes tell me just kind of how that about. So
1: here's what's so cool about Carmen. So initially I was doing 15 minutes up front. And like right off the bat? Right off the bat. And so uh, we were doing, you know, Tuesday through Saturday easily. He might need a day off. They figure out a day he need to rest his voice, but we was hitting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, average crowd, 1,500, 2,000 people. And so it was cool. I was doing fine, and he would ask me every night, you know, how'd your merch go? How'd your merch go? And I was telling them my numbers. He was like, you should be doing more than that. And I was like, okay. And this is where he was really cool. He said, you know what? They don't realize you are part of my show. They think you just the uh, opening dude mm. up there to fill time till my drummer set his drums up. I need you to come back when I do the altar call. And I need you to lead the altar call people to the room they need to go. So figure you have something to say after I do the altar call and everybody come. Figure out something in that speech of saying, hey, you know, appreciate you giving your God the life, uh, giving your life to God. Follow me. We finna go in this room. He's like, cause once they see that what you are doing is part of my ministry mm-hmm. or just part of ministry. He's like, your numbers should change. I was like, all right. I doubled that. Now he's like, how are your numbers going? I was like, dude, I doubled. Like, he was like, yeah, you're going to do that every night. You that's correct. He was and watching that for And I was just like, dude, like, that's, that's like really, 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 really good. And so that's my experience with him. I always hear people like, you that with Carmen, blah, 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 I was like, Yeah, he's he, good, he to, good me. to me. So. Go for a year. Or that's I mean, we did it three years. Three years. Man, so that's kind of nice, huh? That was. Even, even today. And that was like 3 06. Uh-huh. And even today, I'll go somewhere and they'll listen. They're listening for the clutter joke and I don't do it. And they'll be like, Didn't you go out with Carmen? I was like, Yeah. Man, I was in Mobile, Alabama. I was like,
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's the great thing when open for somebody that's that big and got such a following you start grabbing some of their followers and keeping that name recognition up and all that other stuff. And that was pretty much pre social media, you know? Oh, very much pre. Now, it'd been nice to have some of that back then because you could have more easily stayed in contact with a lot of those people. Yes. What's up, School of Laughs? This is Atlanta comedian Joel Byers and host of the weekly podcast Hot Breath, your weekly guide to comedy mastery. Every Monday, you can hear well-researched interviews with comedians like Bo Burnham, Aries Spears, Miss Pat, and Rick Roberts revealing their tips and techniques for finding comedy success on and off the stage. Subscribe to Hot Breath on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or any other podcast platform to join the Hot Breathiverse and learn the top
1: comedy tips from comedy's top comics.
0: I hope to see you there. Hot Breath. Yes. Um, but yeah, let's talk about that just for a second, because I don't think we talked about that on the podcast that much, about you know how how you developed a following or kept in touch with the following pre-social media. It was, I mean, if you're on the ball and you could have an email sign-up list— Still, a lot of people, the ca- casual person outside of work wasn't emailing a lot of folks, even, right, even in the right. early 2000s. I mean, yeah. I-, I remember just a little bit, but not much. I mean, YouTube did didn't hit to 2005, so a lot of this stuff is still pretty new. So were you able to keep any of that, if you want to call it like associate fan base from doing shows with him, or even when you
1: were doing your own gigs? you know, How would you let people know you're coming back to the area? It's so funny, Rick. I can remember getting the... <laughs> Getting a domain name, Comedian Bone. I remember it was like, you didn't have your own website unless you was a big dog. It was Mm -hmm. like, who are you that you think you can get your website? It felt like it was like $900 to get your domain name. I ain't got enough. And I remember when I got Comedian Bone and I got it on Homestead and they had a little system set up to where you could uh, be on my mailing list from... The website. And I remember other comics in LA was like, dude, how do you do this? Like, what is that? And I was like, you know, it was so cutting edge that you had a website. Right. And I remember I was uh, mentoring Carrie Pomeroli. And I remember telling her, I was like, you got to get this website. And I was like, you can't go Carrie Pomeroli. That's too much for people to remember because the website lets you uh, do a commercial from the stage. So they don't have to call the church you was at or call the venue. They can get it right there. So you got to say something that they can remember. They're not going to write it down, right. but it got to be something they can remember. And I was like, so go like Carrie Palm. And she coming back five minutes. Like, okay, I got it. What we need to do? And I was like, this is the thing. Like, yeah. you can say it from stage. Because I would get people that would tell me, oh, I saw you, and I called that restaurant, and uh, they right. didn't know how to get in touch with you. I was like, why would you call a restaurant? Because you don't know how to get in touch with me.
0: Right. Right. It was okay. a game-changer website. Yes. And it was, I remember, I want to say I paid at least four or 500 bucks for my domain name originally. Yeah. Because they just like, the market wasn't so, uh, it wasn't a race to the bottom to get you know, the 99-cent domain name. <laughs> and hosting, and I remember making my first website through Front Page and Microsoft Express yes, or something. Yes, yes. And I'd be at a condo trying to upload a picture, and uh, I'd say, hey, man, uh, when we go to the show, I'm going to plug into the phone and upload this JPEG. <laughs> And you go to the show and come back, and it's like 63% complete. It took three <laughs> hours to upload a JPEG <laughs> over the phone line. And then, yes. And I remember several clubs, like Cleveland Improv one time, all three comics, we just got laptops and we're all trying to get, you know, use the phone line for whatever. And uh, we got to the club that night, and the club manager was fuming. She's like, You guys and your stupid computer, I've been trying to call over there all afternoon. <gasps> Yeah, she had like a corporate Hilarious. gig that popped up that one of us could have done,
1: but she couldn't get Hilarious. through to it. Before,
0: before cell phones really were Right, 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 right. She's like, I know it's what you got because it was busy all day long. She's like, you could have made 500 bucks this okay, afternoon. Okay, that's
1: funny. But
0: that's the way it was. Yes, man. I remember yes. bringing the 60-foot long phone cord so yes. you could like plug in and sit on the couch and watch TV and try to upload <laughs> and check your email. Definitely has changed, definitely. So, okay, let's jump more into... Uh, we haven't talked too much about how you were a Christian comic, even from the sound like from the get go for the most part. So
1: it I your, was You're up when I decided to do comedy, I made the decision, you gonna be clean or not? And I was like, All right, I'll be a clean comic. So I was cool with being clean. Then when I moved to LA, since it's nine thousand comics in LA. What happens is the more you get out, the more you grow, you realize you got to be very specific to set yourself apart. Mm -hmm. So I just remember being like, hey, man, I'm a black dude from Texas that wear glasses. Yeah, we got like 500 of those. Okay, well, I'm a black dude from Texas that wear glasses that used to play college football. Yeah, we got 200 of those. I'm like, my, okay, I'm, and it wasn't until I'm like, well, I'm a Christian. They're like, we ain't got none of them. What do Mm you, what, huh? And. What was fun about being in the clubs in L.A. was trying to figure out how to talk about being a Christian in a way that if you wasn't a Christian, you could still laugh at the jokes. Mm -hmm. Because that club that I spoke about earlier, it was all church people that came. So I could speak what I call Christianese, and they were drinking it like straight alcohol. Like we ain't never heard nobody talk our language to us. We always just have to listen and appreciate whatever the joke is, but it's never nobody has ever made a joke about Ephesians right. ever. Right. We've been going to club for years. <laughs> right. You just said I don't date girls that read Ephesians. I need a first and second John girl. Oh my goodness! And it was like, yeah, but I'm a Christian, so that's my thinking. Like she too deep for me if she asking me about that. Right. I need to, <laughs> and it's like, well, if you don't know the Bible. You don't know why that's funny. Right. You just like whatever. But if you know the Bible, you like, oh, that is. And so, I was like, "Oh, okay." And then trying to figure out, "Well, how do I do the same joke in a room with people that don't know the Bible?" Right, right. And then learning, "Hey man, some jokes you're not going to be able to do in a regular room. Just like it's some black jokes you got. If the room all white, it's like they're not going to get it. Why would you tell this joke mm-hmm. over here?" And you be in the black room and like, "Y'all not, y'all don't care about this joke, but if it's all white people, It's funny. Like, the other night when I did the Fish uh, clean comedy night, I was making a joke about uh, the dudes that did Woodlawn, they did I Can Only Imagine. And so he said, I can't put you in Imagine because Bart didn't have any black friends growing up. And Bart was like, I had black friends. Like, no, man, before you met Michael Tate. (laughs) So (laughs) half the room is on the floor. Like, okay, Bone, that's hilarious. The other half is like, who is Bart? Why don't he got no black friends? And who is this Michael who? Right. Michael Tate, dude. And why is that funny? You talking about... And I was just like, right. Y'all don't know who Bart is. That's fine. So you don't know who Michael Tate is. That's fine. But this joke is a killer over here with the people that do. (laughs) Like, it's so much locked in it. So... So I had to learn, like, it's okay that you're going to have some Christian jokes that in a regular room, they just ain't going to get it. Right. And learning how to um,
0: pick your spots.
1: change up the words to where it can work. Like, I talk, uh, it's a joke where Paul said it's better not to be married. I'm like, Paul, uh, me and you got to talk about some stuff. This ain't no good thing. But in a club, it's like, well, I don't want to lose that joke because it still talks about being single. So I have to say. The Bible says, because you know, secular people are like, who is Paul? Right. Is right. that your uncle? Like, why are we like, talking McCartney? about <laughs> Exactly. Know you You're know not supposed to be around like any that. girls.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can't be hanging out with the girls. <laughs> Marriage is not good.
1: Uh, hilarious.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's the thing. And that's, and that's one thing I like about you is. And I, I'm not quite in the same ballpark, but I like to be able to think that I'm versatile enough to, to pop into most
1: situations and be able but you, yeah, to like download
0: you, the right jokes for this group, even yes, though there's more jokes that you, you just got to leave away sometimes.
1: You just And that's where, you know, when I try to talk to comics, like, dude, it's okay. You can't do your whole act in every room. And when I hear comics say, I can do any room. I can do a dirty room. I can do a clean room. I can do a church. I'm like, no, you can't. That's, I don't even want to talk to you. Because nobody can. It's maybe three. Right. Three comics I know that can. But in general, if you kill in a dirty room, you kill, I watch you destroy, you are going to struggle in the church because there's too much of what you do mm-hmm. that you got to let go, which is the same for me. Don't put me in a dirty, dirty foul room and expect me to do 30 minutes at 1245. I'm like, no, because my go-to stuff is going to be something about Jesus. Right. And if, if it's a clean room and you like, look, it ain't a lot of people of faith. And I'm like, okay, but I'm still going to be fine. But a dirty, dirty room, I'm like, I don't I don't even need to be able to kill in that. Right, right. So.
0: Now, and that is a big part of it too at this point is picking, not putting yourself in a place where you're going to fall victim to something. Yes. And that's not saying, oh, you can't go in there and shine your light. It's just saying, you know, there, there are places where even Jesus was like, I'm not going in
1: there. I mean you know and I, mean? I, I keeps <laughs> I keeps that scripture where Jesus told the disciples, Hey man, don't go through Samaria. Right. Go around Samaria. Right. Go around I'm like, I just think it was some women. In Samaria That Jesus was like Disciples Y'all good But y'all can't handle them women. Right. Like, they gonna mess up your witness And everything Go around yeah. I'm like if Jesus told the disciples To go right. around I know it's a place to see to say Bone, go around Yeah Don't go through Vegas To get to Utah Start Just- with
0: washing from your feet And it's gonna go nowhere Good from there <laughs> She gonna see you by the well It ain't gonna be good <laughs> <laughs> They've been oh out. The, they've been in some dry, dusty. Oh my
1: goodness! For a long time. <laughs> oh my goodness, Rick! It's gonna start washing your feet. It's gonna start washing your feet. It's not gonna get anything good. Oh, that's funny. That's uh, funny.
0: That's, that's great stuff, man. Uh, so let me ask you: moving from LA to, to was Nashville the stop from LA, or was yeah. there somewhere in between? No. And not so, what me. year was that? And
1: uh, let's see. When did I get to
0: Seattle? Oh nine. Oh nine. Oh nine. So we we moved here at the same time. Okay. Yeah. Where'd you move from? I no oh nine. I was ninety nine. My bad. Okay. Okay. Uh, Columbus, Ohio is my last. Oh. Stop. I was there for ten years, getting my comedy going.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh, I always thought you was just a Nashville. Nashville, a Nashville cat. Yeah. yeah. I'm
0: Kentucky Lexington, Kentucky born. Okay. okay. Went to college in West Virginia for four years at a little liberal oh, wow. arts, okay. disciple okay. of Christ college. Then. My plan was to move to Denver. I only had enough gas money to get from Wheeling, West Virginia oh to Columbus, Ohio. Oh, my goodness. It took me 10 years <laughs> to get a full tank and then move on. <laughs> Hilarious. And, you know, <laughs> it didn't pan out the way I thought it would. Oh, my goodness. That's but, funny. So you move here and then in oh9 you said. Yeah. So I'm trying to think. So almost 10 years ago. Yeah. Coming up on 10. And was that part of being a father was that part of that move at that time yes yes absolutely okay and you're how old is your son he's nine okay so that was that was the reason right like i'm gonna go over here and do the right thing yep hang out absolutely excellent
1: okay now does he have any comedic sensibilities yes he does and it's funny because he's at the age now where he's very comfortable critiquing uh my jokes my set (laughs) and i'm like hey man (laughs) You know, it went from when he was like five or six, like, hey, you know, you like the show? He was like, yeah, daddy, you did fine, to, hey, did you like the show? Yeah. So I don't know why you changed the words on this joke. Like, you normally say Florida, but tonight you said Portland. And I just think Florida is funnier than Portland. I'm like, yeah, but we in L.A., so I needed a West Coast. Yeah, but I'm just saying I think Florida was funnier than Portland. I mean, you asked me. I'm just like, you gotta be kidding. And you know what? You didn't do so and so joke. I mean, why didn't you do? I'm like, okay, for real. And so he critiques. He gives me, um, he gives me tags. Uh-huh. And I mean, he's funny himself.
0: That's and great. And
1: so I'm like, uh, okay. Now he's much better looking than me. I'm like, dude, don't you can't get in comedy looking that good. Like yeah. comedy is for the misfits.
0: I, you know. Can I just say this? Yes. I agree, and it's been taken over by some slick-looking dudes here and there. And even we were watching uh, some show last night, and it was America's Got Talent, okay? So they got a violin player dude on there. Yes. Real sharp-looking young cat. Yes. And I looked over at my son, and I'm like, you know, violin used to be for the nerdy guy. For the nerds! He can't even get on there no more, because it's all about style.
1: Yes! You know and And I mean... I'm like, you know what? Levi Lane alone and Zach Levi, the guy that used to be in the TV series, Chuck, and he's a Shazam coming out here in the next uh, next year. And he by far is just the prettiest dude I have. him and Joe Smallbone from For King and Country, they are just like the two dudes I have no problem saying, y'all the prettiest two dudes <laughs> I know. My manhood is intact. Y'all are just – y'all just that. And he was wanting to do stand up, and uh, he would want to do material like I did, cause he would have uh, he go through some stuff with girls. I'm like, yeah, I know you really do go through this, but ain't nobody gonna believe you
0: though. Right? Like you
1: know- when I say I struggle on stage, they're like, yeah, we we see what happened, yeah. I'm like, Yeah, I would have called the police too. Ain't nobody gonna believe that about you. No. You know, Smallbone ain't getting no spot on no drama. Smallbone is not
0: talking gonna be about on the
1: talking about he said like, <laughs> Shut up. No you not. No, you not. And so yeah, you right. It's like even John Chris, I'm like, hey man, kinda need you to go sing a song. That's yeah, what we need or you. Or to grow do. a bad mustache for. Grow us. something. Help us out, brother. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, nah, Jesus. Come on. It's me. It's Rick, Johnny, Darren Streblow, John Brannion. Come on. We the, <laughs> we the misfits. <laughs> we the dudes that if they pick in this <laughs> sports, it's like, so can I play with four or do I got to pick up ball? Ah, oh, come on, funny. ball.
0: Come on. That's funny when you think about it in those terms. It's <laughs> like, uh yeah, I don't know. I was going to say the Little Rascals versus like one of those movies where all the- Pre-teen a- idols are yeah. in it. Like, can't think of the name It's of it. like uh, the Bad News Bears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, it's too funny. It is, And it is funny how your kids will pick up on things when you don't realize you're picking up on it. And then as they get older, they have that second level of thinking. Like he was thinking about critiquing you and even giving you tips on. And Florida is funnier <laughs> than Portland. And I'm sitting it's here. It's like the rhythm of the Florida. You know, the da. Yeah,
1: I'm like. So you just
0: need a West Coast, you know. Not Sacramento or San Fran, but you just need a little da-da-da, whatever. San Diego's too long, San
1: Diego. You need, probably, like
0: a, you need uh, a three-syllable
1: word. Fran- Instead of saying San Francisco, it'd be Frisco, probably. I mean, and that's what he made me think of yeah. when he was like, Florida's fun. I'm like, you don't. You don't know yet how to articulate the F and the L and the duh and the way I talk. Yeah, yeah. It makes those words. So you like, Portland don't do from your mouth, daddy, yeah. what Florida does. I'm like, ain't this okay? He's on to something there. Though. And he's making me think. I'm like, okay. Uh, I wouldn't say San Francisco, but probably just Frisco to get that F. You want another F word? He's like, well, I mean, you figure it out, but I'm yeah. just telling you. And I'm like... Wow, son.
0: That's that's funny. Yeah, my kid pointed out something the other day, like, so my son is 13, but when he was five, he gave me one of the best lines in my comedy show, where he realizes that we look alike, and I say, what do you think about that? And he goes, <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> like, he's like, he's got no choice. And the uh, other day, I was, I was telling that joke on stage, and he saw it, and he's like, uh, he was saying, you need to have Ginger say something funny about you, my littlest. Oh, my goodness. He goes, because... If you say my thirteen-year-old, it's almost like I could punish him for being rude because I I know now that I shouldn't say that. So you have to say when I was five I said that, or oh. you have to have my little my littlest one say wow. something, and he's right. Yes, you know. So I I'll just need a different joke. I can maybe do that one and say when my son was five, but my little daughter needs to be saying the stuff that's not widely inappropriate, but you know yeah. she doesn't
1: realize that it's not what you should say. And he was dead on with that. You know what's funny about that also, Rick, it's like you have a joke and the joke works and you good with it. And you ain't like, oh, I need to do blah, blah, It's like the joke works. And you look up and it's eight years later and you're like, oh, wait. Uh, I know. I remember I had a joke about. When you try to join the mega churches, they ask too many questions. What's your blood type? What's your, what's your Social Security <laughs> number? Do you think OJ is guilty? Because it was right then, and I'm like <laughs> eight years in, and somebody was like, "Bo, you still doing the OJ joke?" I'm <laughs> yeah. like, "No, I ain't doing no. I am doing a OJ joke." You, wow, okay. And about that time, Kobe had got in trouble. I was like, uh, "Oh, moving that right on do over." Do you think Kobe guilty? <laughs> and then after a while, they're like, bro, you can't keep saying Kobe. Nobody yeah. of age even remembers that thing." I'm
0: like, "Okay." I,
1: I remember 23 carat diamond ring.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that means you're guilty. Yes, right. Yes. <sighs> that is funny. Yeah, and my son will occasionally will be just talking and just talking, just like hanging on the couch, shooting hoops or whatever, and he'll go, "Hey, you should, you should maybe think about writing a joke about that." Like he'll. He'll pick little nuggets out of the air. Oh, my goodness. And so I'm like, yeah, we need to keep hanging out because you you just helped me with three more minutes this week alone.
1: <laughs> you look at him like, look, I want you to go to college, but I really need you on my writing team. Yeah, and
0: and actually, if you could just keep working on editing videos, that's where I'm really weak. Oh, please keep
1: editing videos. You know? That's funny.
0: Now, let me ask you this. Cause, um, right. So the most recent thing was the America's Got Talent thing. Yes. And, and we mentioned earlier that – when you sign up for those things, you know that they're going to cut and paste however they want to make the yes. TV show. And also when, when you first were able to tell people that you're on the show, yeah, you, you couldn't tell them everything that you knew. Exactly. And I don't know if you're still able to tell me what you knew at the time that you weren't able to tell everybody everything. Okay. But when you found out you, you make cuts to be on the show and they're going to show your clips, what did, like, what were you able to comprehend about how they were going to put you on? Because I felt it was very odd that, they showed just one little short clip, got a nice reaction, and then I thought I may I may have missed one or two episodes, but I just saw you one other time. Right. And it so, was a clip where they were like, hey, it wasn't as good as the rest, but they, they should have gave us more, I think, more
1: examples of what you did. Okay. Because they gave us so, almost more examples of what you didn't do. So here's what I kind of been able to dissect from it. First of all, they were great to me. Mm-hmm. They absolutely were on my side. So the first episode, <clears throat> first episode they showed me is a triplets. Uh, I think they called the Vizalies or something. So me, the triplets, and um, this guy named Oliver Graves, the gothic comic that yeah, yeah. kind of has a transgender vibe to him. I don't know that he's transgender, right. but that's the vibe that he had. And so we did so much with my backstory about my son and I was in LA and I was doing well. And then I got married, we moved and she was like, I don't want to be married no more. I don't want to move back to LA. So I moved to Atlanta to be with my son, you know, regardless of the marriage I need to do. It. And they was like, this is a great story. We love it. We love it. We love it. We need your son here to put the story and him together. He was in school. Like, I can't get him here. They was like... Okay. So then for the second one, they're like, we really need your son here. I'm like, he in school. You can ask his mama. I don't think she's going to let him out of school. She's like, no, I'm not letting him out of school. Right. So they was like, well, here's the deal. We got to drop the story. And I was like, what? I was like, if we don't show the son and show you and him, then it it messes up your backstory. So with all that said, they had to make a decision. Like, we got the backstory of the triplets. I don't know what their backstory was. We got the backstory of the gothic transgender-like dude, and we got Bones' backstory. Well, it's NBC primetime, which is more television-worthy in 2018. Here's this dude that is a single father, left everything to go be a father to his son. Or we got the gothic transgender dude. This is a better story for prime time. So, Bone, we love you, but this is what mm-hmm. we're going to focus on. And since we focusing on this, we can show your clip that's six seconds that still shows you in a good light. But we're going to focus on this. And then um, the next one was the judge cuts. So I didn't have a good set that night. So here's what happened. My audience got in the room as they started waiting in line at 6 o'clock p.m. They had all kind of problems. I didn't get on stage till 11.45 that Ooh. night. Oh man. And I had to follow the poltergeist little girl. Oh so yeah. So the poltergeist little girl sucked all the energy out of the room. Now, I don't know none of this. I know she was up, but I didn't know what happened to the room. So when I go up, even the judges, the way they talk it to me, they like kind of whatever... And I'm like, the audience is nowhere engaged in this. And I'm like, this room is, Mm -hmm. this room sucks. That's what this room does. And they've already talked to me about, these the words you say, Bone. This is how you get into it. And I was like, yeah, but as a comic, in order to get a room back like this, I wouldn't go straight into a joke. Sure. I would address the poltergeist girl. Let us all get on page. Didn't go into a joke. But y'all done told me, like, don't be doing none of that. Because you don't know who we're going to cut in before you. And so I just went straight into jokes. And the room was like, boom, we like you, but hey, man, that girl just brought a dead girl out of a dollhouse and ain't nobody saying nothing." So (laughs) I was just like, oh, my goodness. So in 90 seconds, I started working the room back where if I would have did five minutes instead of 90 Mm -hmm. seconds, I would have been fine the last two minutes. But it was like the 90 seconds was up. And it was like, and they, they made me do a joke about before Seattle was born, about it. I don't date women with kids because I don't have a kid. I'm like, that joke nine years old. They're like, yeah, that's the ones they want you to do. I'm like, I got, you know, new stuff that I've been doing. It's like, well, they don't want you to do the dog joke. I'm like, the dog joke is viral. It's 1.8 million on dry bar. Yeah, Heidi likes dogs. We don't want her to have a reason not to like you. Okay, well, what about the diabetes joke? When, you know, you see food you ain't supposed to eat, you got to make a decision. Is that worth getting my foot cut off? It's red velvet cake. I walk with a limp because I want to. Yeah. Uh, Preacher Lawson did a joke about a woman limping last year, and uh, it kind of messed him up. So we don't. I was like, because he made fun of the woman. Right. I'm making fun of me. Yeah, we ain't doing that joke. Yeah. You going to do this joke. And I was like. So now I got to tell the audience that don't really know me. Hey, back when I didn't have a kid, I'm like, in 90 seconds that don't. So that's what happened that night. And yeah, Simon was like, when it was over, he was like, I guess the nerves was getting everybody. He's like, man, I heard people laughing. But I mean, he really was looking at me like, what happened? Like, yeah. you better than this. And I was like, I know Simon. And Heidi was like, boom, like you, you didn't make me belly laugh. And Mel was just like, almost disgusted. She was like, I just don't believe this happened. I don't know what happened. This don't make sense. Bone, because it's you, and you so likable. I'm disappointed because I want it. I mean, she was just like, you was the, and I'm just sitting there like, Mel, I am just as disappointed. Right. And then Howie said, he said, I forget what all 'all y'all saying. Bone, do material that's true to you. Don't be doing stuff that you look like an athlete. You look like a professional uh, athlete. You look good and you're up there doing jokes. You're doing fat dude jokes. Maybe you used to be fat, but you're not fat no more. Sell that to somebody fat. Don't ever do nothing like that. So the audience couldn't get with you because you was talking. And I was like, oh, snap. And he kind of was looking at me like, I know somebody up there made you do this joke, but yeah, they, yeah. they got they got over on you. They mess you up because you should have had a better show. And so I did so many interviews in the back room that they, I feel like they know they needed to use. They were like, bone, give us the best backroom stuff because everybody else is. Right. That we're going to show him a lot. The only way to justify showing him, we got to show some clip mm-hmm. of this. And so I almost feel bad because I get on social media. I wish they would have shown the rest of your stuff. And I'm like, no, nah, you, you don't want to see the rest of that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they did me a favor. <laughs> show me the clip they showed. They would have showed the rest of it, y'all. Y'all would have been like, oh. Oh yeah. Now what would have been different, like I tell my brother, like now people that know me would have been like, Why did you do that joke? Like, what why would you do that? All the other stuff you got. Then it would have been a little bit more clear, like, they must have made him do that. Well, yeah, they did. Right. So that's yeah, and like you said earlier,
0: that's like the risk with T V is they're they're thinking of the show first. They don't think Obviously, I mean, the ideal thing would be have, let's let's have a half hour where all the comics go up to, in a row. Yes. So the room is full of laughter. Maybe the first comic takes a little hit because they're getting the ball rolling. The last comic might have to follow for, but following that weird poster guy's girl or an orchestra, it's even in a variety show setup, it's an audition judging contest. It doesn't flow like it should. Like I, yes. I, I really feel like, you know, I don't know anything about TV, but it would benefit all of their performers if the decision was so hard between all the great sets because it was set up correctly yes as opposed to let's throw this guy up after this creepy cousin-it-looking girl and not let him do what he does and tell him what he should do and then let's see how he does there like they did
1: for the sake of good TV they didn't put the, the show together in a good way yeah i, I was like you know what like I mean? for my first one, i went up at the dance troupe. and they, i mean their music was blasting it was hip hop I mean, they blew the roof off. And I was in the back like, wow, they got this music blasting, and I'm going to go talk acapella. But I was like, you know what, though? Music and comedy is fine. At least the audience is hyped. The energy is good. They hype for a different reason, but at least they hype. And so and it's like, you following the poltergeist, girl? I was like, <laughs> wait, she takes energy from the room and... You know, she was stepping her stuff up, so when I tell you, i like, I'm in the back and I'm watching Mel B, where I'm like, no, just go away, just go. I'm like, what is happening? Oh, my God, the dead girl is following Mel B back here. And Mel B don't want, <sighs> all right, yeah. bro, you ready? No. Yeah. No, I'm not ready. And I was talking to um, uh, some of the contestants afterwards. They're like, how'd it go? I was like, no. They're like, what happened? I was like, in 90 seconds, you can't do what you know in comedy. Which is address what happened. right? And I was like, so it was like, okay, this show is more about your 90 minute set than it is about being a comedian. 90 second set, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 90 second set. So, I mean, I guess any of the
0: takeaways for anybody listening that is thinking about auditioning and getting on one of those shows, like start thinking in micro sets, like what can you start and stop yes. in 90 seconds, which might only be five jokes. If the the audience is laughing where they should. Yes. And find little parts in your set to almost like, like if I was doing club work right now, I would open up with a 90-second AGT set. And then, okay, take a breath. And then next night I'd try maybe a different night. Just see if it could stand on its own after a strong performance in front of me.
1: Yes. And one of the things I did to get prepared for it, which really helped me, so I went out with Shonda. And I was like, Sean, I just need to do this ninety-minute, 90-second 90 set before you show. And so the first <laughs> night I went out with well, it, this was right after Joy had said Vice President was schizophrenic because he hears from Jesus. So every Christian conservative in the world hates Joy to view anything associated with it. Well, the view is one of my credits. So I tell the youth pass go out to 2,500 women in Ohio. I'm like, so say... And normally my order is he's on the View, all about Steve and Sandra Bullock, Bradley Cooper, um, uh, Woodline, Comics Unleashed. Cause at this point I can't tell nobody I'm doing AGT yet. And I was like, you know what? Let me let me rephrase that. Say all about Steve, say Woodline, then say the View, and then say Comics Unleashed, double award winner. So he goes out there. He's like, uh, he was in the movie. Uh, Woodlawn, anybody see Woodlawn? I was like, wait, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Okay, he was in the movie All About Steve with Sandra Bullard. Anybody see that? I was like, oh, no. Why are you giving a pop quiz? So Uh, he was on uh, the show The View. Whole Room Quiet, which I'm like, yeah, they're going to be quiet. They don't like that show. They'll give me credit for being on TV, but they're not going to have a discussion about it. Anybody watch The View? Boo! I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm in the back with Shauna. Shauna was like, did you just get booed at a church? I'm like, Shauna, in the first time I ever got booed at a church, and I wasn't even on stage yet. <laughs> Ain't this a blip. And so I go out there, and I got to clean it up. I'm like, hey, y'all, uh, I wasn't on the show that day, Joy, said uh, Vice President Pence, was schizophrenic. okay? I don't even know Joy like that, so don't hold that against me. I was just trying to get on TV so I could have to clean it up. It got right. And so, you know, we talking, and Shauna's like, maybe you don't say the view credit. Right. I was like, yeah. You know, Shauna, I don't like people dictating what I... But you know what? I'm not going to say say any credits, because when I do America's Got Talent, they not going to say any credit. I got to go out there as nobody and be funny in 90 seconds, and that's what it's about. So from then on, it was like, just go out and say, Shauna got another guest comedian with her, Bone Hampton, and let me walk out. And it was... It was so tough, but it was so like the workout of like, Uh so Bone, you got 10 seconds for this first line to let them listen to rest. I mean, they still filling in seats. I was like, and by the time we got through with the run, I had got really, I knew which line would get the laugh first. And then when they wanted me to do the second one where I was like, this ain't really the joke to do. And I was struggling with it out there with Sean. I'm like, man, this if anything goes wrong, I'm going to be in trouble with this joke. Mm-hmm. So fast forward 1145, Poltergeist Girl, I'm like, this joke ain't strong enough to overcome what I'm dealing with. Right. And I was like, well, it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. Still
0: good. I mean, if you learn anything from it, it's a good experience. Plenty
1: of exposure. I mean, I wish they would have played more. I mean, especially- it was... It has been nothing but positive because most people, that is they coming, I wish they would have played more, mm-hmm. which has gotten me work of, well, you know where we're going to get more from? At our church. Come and right. do it. So it's it's been a win in that sense. And because they show so much of my backstage uh, talking, there's people that have booked me like, you know what? we trust you are funny more than we worried about your jokes like because you you were so engaging in that mm-hmm. which sometimes you know the verdict is out what you want as a comedian me i would rather people say we're gonna book you to be funny versus where well, we saw your set and we didn't like joke one five and six so we're not gonna book you right you know and sometimes that happens but with this that's what's been the biggest plus it's like no we trust you're funny so just come
0: that's great.
1: Well, bon, I think we can sit here and talk for another 10 hours, man. I'm sitting up here like Rick, I'm not trying to use up all your data, but I'm about to use up all your data, baby. <laughs>
0: That's all right. <laughs> hey, sometimes people like to see a bigger file because they're going on a bigger road trip, but they're going to listen for an hour,
1: <laughs> whatever it is.
0: Right. Right. Well, thanks for making time. And uh, I know I'll have you back on pretty yeah, soon,
1: Yeah, man. Thank you for having me, man. You Thank bet. you. Absolutely.
0: I hope you enjoyed that interview with bone Hampton. Very smart, intelligent guy who has uh, made the most out of his talents. I know he still has a high ceiling on what he can achieve, but it was good to hear the backstory, how he did different things back in the day, uh, touring for a good solid three years in the early 2000s with Carmen. If you don't know who Carmen is, you might want to check that out on YouTube or Google him. Uh, very good singer, and uh, Bone was his opening act for three years. All kinds of good information. There. I thought it was interesting about America's Got Talent. Uh, I kind of figured something like that had gone on, but I didn't realize how much they really wanted his son to be part of the backstory. And when he didn't take his son out of school to do the thing that it kind of diminished his role on the show, uh, interesting stuff. And I thought he was very honest and forthcoming with it is what it is. (laughs) You know, a lot of times things are just what they are, but he's had good results from even that limited exposure on America's got talent, got some bookings from it. So all is not lost. And, uh, I think he kept his respect and, and his his whole thing together through that really well. So nice talking to Bone. Hopefully I'll have him on again in the future. We didn't get to talk nuts and bolts of comedy too much, and he can go deep into that as well. So you'll probably hear Bone again down the road. Also, would like to read a quick iTunes review. Uh, if you don't feel like sponsoring the podcast through Patreon, do me a favor, do me a solid, and leave me an iTunes review. Look us up, schooloflast.com. Uh, This review came in August 22nd from Rudy Boy. Rudy Boy. And says, as a clean comedian who is also a speaker and a Christian, I love this dude. Hey, thanks, Rudy Boy. Uh, And I appreciate the five star review. If you'd like to leave a review on iTunes, please do. I'll read it on the air and thank you accordingly. All right, that's going to be it. Thanks again to Bone. Thanks again to Amy. Thanks again to Joel. I'll catch you on the flip side in a couple of weeks. Stay safe and stay funny. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit SchoolofLaughs.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay funny.